Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Taki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is the, the story So Farscape. Our story of Earth finally concludes as we settle into Season 4, Episode 13, Terra Firma. Yes. So, I mean, does it conclude? We don't you know, know how Farscape is. Like they just, they just. If there's a plot line, you spend a little bit of time with it, and then you just yeah, move on. Yeah. Okay. So next week we're just going to start somewhere off in the terrified territories again, and then uh, yeah, what happened to that whole Earth thing? Oh yeah, we left. Oh uh, yeah, we got bored. What I mean, about what about Kozu and uh, Scorpius' little suicide pact that they have going? No, he like, just got bored. Yeah. Yeah. Like ask Tiana. Yeah. Well, that's it. How was NASA? I don't know. Got bored. <laughs> yeah. She did try to get a little bit uh, entertaining uh, going at some point. But, uh, yes. Everybody was recreating. Oh, everybody Everybody was recreating. Anyway. Yeah, so how was that? Oh, different. Different, very much different. It didn't, I mean... Okay, one of my notes earlier on in the episodes, this doesn't feel like a Farscape episode, which is kind of what I predicted when if they were to go to earth then, oh, it wouldn't yeah. be, then it wouldn't feel like farscape anymore yeah and i got a lot of that feeling of those vibes in this episode it, it, it was more like days of our lives rather than farscape i mean especially if it's filled in in a suburb of sydney and right and there's lots of like drama will they won't they like i mean there's been a lot of been that been going on anyway but now it gets even more complicated so yeah days of our lives i mean and I this mean, time with i guess, it, I guess it, yes but it's australians I, I just they can't stop themselves they have to make shows like that it's yes i got a i mean if, for me it was neighbors <laughs> oh, well, right yeah. growing up with my mother who was super into certain soap operas and yeah neighbors is that, everybody's good is that an australian one I think so. Like, they went to the milk bar and and, and stuff like that. I mean, so you've got EastEnders and Coronation Street, which are the two UK ones. And you've Uh, got Dallas and Dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah, then you had The Bold and the Beautiful for a while. Oh, That was uh, my boyfriend's mum and sister were soups into The Bold, where everybody was named after things. You had Forest and River and Brook and Table and Dentist. (laughs) Clearly, Clearly, I should watch this. Uh, No, it's brilliant. Anyway, let's see what our listeners have to say about Season 4, Episode 13, uh, Terra Firma, Part 3 of an unnamed trilogy. Dorothy returns home, but this dream come true is ruined by a nightmare in green sent to torture and murder friends and family in an attempt to gain the wormhole information. Thank you, Marky Steele. Oh, Marky Steele. In the 2000s, extremely the 2000s, Farscape comes after the Bush administration. Thank you, Mystery Tour. (laughs) And in fact, thank you, Mystery Tour, again, because the submission form doesn't actually send you like a confirmation email that you've sent something in. So people sometimes forget that they've already done it. So we get extras. Because Aaron and Sikozu interrupt a girl boss meeting. Meanwhile, Chiana and Noranti help out by having a gay off. Thank you, Mystery Tour. (laughs) I don't know exactly what I this is referring no. to. Gay off? I mean, not. It might, we, we might come across it if we look at the Jeeves. Oh, yes, yes. Definitely, let's do that. So this one aired Monday, the 6th of January, 2003. So it was in the sort of Christmas seasoning. Mm-hmm. And hence, like... David Kemper talked about, we wanted to do a Christmas episode, Farscape style. So yeah. we'll blow everything up. Fair. Yeah, I mean, there was certainly enough blowing up going on. And you're quite right about... Oh, yes, hello. Uh, Hey, there was no sign of Pilot. No, he was mentioned. Yeah, 
Where's that pilot you told me about? I'll show you. That Jack was going to take Bobby to see Pilot. No, yep. no, no, the other way. And we don't get to see him. And Chana had some Christmas gifts brought over to Pilot. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, but we didn't see. actually see Pilot, no. Maybe he was in maintenance or puppet. sort of huffy. Well, maybe. Like, oh, you're all... Well, I mean, he's... He has been quite huffy recently, but I would can't imagine he'd be huffy because they're all down on the planet and he's not, because, you know, that's kind of his existence, like... Maybe during the 42-day wait for Crichton to appear, he and the DRDs learned about DND after oh, a slight misunderstanding, yes. and they're just deep into a six-month campaign. I mean, just keep the Cheetos and, and Mountain Dew coming. That and, sounds like the kind of thing that a couple of pilots amongst themselves would be doing, you know? like Yes, <laughs> on their secret FTL communication network <laughs> exactly. that never fails, but is only used for gossip <laughs> <laughs> and their long-term role-playing campaigns. <laughs> So there's a quick little flashback, just to summarize the story so far. So, so far. Very uh, good. And uh, we end up back at the cliffhanger from last episode with John pointing a gun at his father. He never does get an answer to whether it was trout or bass, does he? Was it a bass or a trout? No, because Sikosu steps in, don't be stupid. They are not imposters. DRD scans confirm they are of your species. It's me, son. It's your dad. Yes. We've been here for 40 days and the DRDs confirmed that they are humans. Mm, yes. I found Sikosu acting a little bit different. I mean, she's changed. Yeah. Yeah, she's not the... She's getting into her own swing of things. And yeah, yeah. she's definitely acting different. It's... Differently. I, I, I remember being fonder of Sikosu than I am this time around. Right, yeah. Because she just doesn't care about the crew. No. I think. Like, she's sort of integrated. She's explored everyone. She's, she's established some relationship, but she's decided, oh, these people are not for me. No. She's completely enthralled by Scorpius. Scorpius. I mean, yeah. I think he's the reason that she stays around, and that she didn't, like, Probably, stick on that yes. planet with a beehive hair. How'd you get up here? We sent a shuttle to open up communications. Everyone at IASA had a coronary when she answered, finally. In English. Welcome to Ayasa, and thank you for coming, and everything's fine, and we love having you here, and we will be happy to take all your technology. Yeah. All of this is sort of condensed in the guise of T.R. Holt. I am T.R. Holt, special advisor to the president. Is that the government guy? Yes, he's yeah. the suit. Don't you love someone who in introduces themselves with their initials? John even remarks, well, T.R., you're in for a treat. And God, didn't he try hard on his American accent? Oh, yes. <laughs> There's obviously Australian actor short. <laughs> Congratulations. You have accomplished something truly momentous. Earth's first contact with extraterrestrial life. <laughs> He sure did try, didn't he? He did, he did. To varying success, I would say. <laughs> oh, it's a little bit more obvious at some points than the others. But he, he sort of correctly embodies this kind of selfishness on the part of uh, the United States government because, like, this is extremely 2000s, mm -hmm. establishing that John has changed enormously in ways that he can't express. Yeah. But also the United States has changed in ways that he, having left in 1999... Couldn't really... Con uh, yeah. Because by this time, this is, like, established to be taking place in 2003, I think. Okay. 
So, like, they've lived with the post-9-11 war on terror, yeah. uh, the renewed xenophobia. We're not allowed the, to bring nail clippers onto planes anymore. We're, right. We have to take our shoes off. Yeah, the the, the whole security theatre. They've lived with that long enough for it to be, like, the new reality for yeah. their culture. And so there's just this huge divide between them. But before we delve into that too much, I kind of love how people are introduced to aliens. Mm-hmm. Because that's the part I've been looking forward to. When you do a space show and, uh, oh, zapped away from Earth and now he gets to come back and show off all these wonders. Like in the opening credits, the wonders that I've seen. Seen, yes. And he actually waits a little bit to, to uh, let Dargo and Chana and even Aaron come uh, out of the shuttle after people <laughs> yeah. come aboard. I kind of love that he tells TR, hey, today's your lucky day. And the two people who calls in to impress the people with their alienness are Dargo! Okay, yeah, absolutely. And Aaron, who is <laughs> indistinguishable from a human. Oh, yes, and also Triana, and also Rigel. Well, Rigel, especially Rigel comes in. Good God. He just really wants to show off his partner that yes. he's sort of denying. After the credits, everybody's on Earth. Earth. Terra firma. Seems forever it's filled my thoughts, been my goal. And now, I'm here. Family, friends... Seeing them again is so, so normal. Okay, so this first, the first five minutes of the episode feel really weird because yeah. they're doing just weird shots of the neighborhood and John is voiceovering whatever, what is going on. It's a very peculiar way of showing how this whole setup is going to happen. Yeah, because weeks have passed and it's being narrated by John, which was an idea of Ben Browder. Originally, there was going mm-hmm. to be intercut with John recording directly to camera. Right. Uh, like he was being interviewed or, uh-huh. or something. And then Ben suggested, what if we do a voiceover and then you can have it intercut with, with the actual clips? He's sitting on the dock on his own. Yes, uh, writing in a wormhole script in his diary. <laughs> Or his notes book, I don't know. I love how uh, Granny immediately starts snacking on the flowers when they uh, walk into the... Uh... <laughs> yes! Everybody just, just like, oh, assumes yeah, yeah. that flowers are food. Yeah, I guess so. It's like, oh yeah, very good. Uh, Scouser um, doesn't like apples, apparently. Probably too sweet, I don't know. I have no idea, yeah. but they all try something. And obviously, uh, uh, Rigel's happy as a clam. Oh, Rigel is like, he is picking out the entire episode. He's like, there's not a shot when he's not, doesn't got food around him, almost. <laughs> and Naranti's really sort of enabling him, like, here, try this, open your mouth. And then she just upends this gigantic bucket. Of popcorn, <laughs> unpopped popcorn. Another delicacy. They're the happiest of the crew. They're in gastro heaven. What's it called? Mm. It's called cop porn. <laughs> unpopped cop porn. Yes, I heard that one too. <laughs> Uh, John's but- reunited with DK. John, you're lying. DK, when did that happen? Two years ago. Married on a boat in Naples. I wish he could have been there. Yes. You said he was a geek. He is a geek. No one are over anyway. <laughs> and a bunch of the other geeks, one of whom he's married since, Laura. Yes. A couple of humans. Uh, yeah, the more hanger shots, they demonstrates the guns. Dargo is talking in Dargo speak to some... Military guy, I think. Under strict supervision. Uh, senator. Senator, or, even, yeah. Yeah. Some of the VIPs have accepted translator microbes. Right. So it seems like Dargo's taking the lead on, on talking to the Apriaps in particular because, like, he's in control of Lola. Yeah. And she's the most powerful weapon system that the Earth has ever seen. 
Yes, would be, yeah. With Aaron's Prowler coming in a close second. So he yeah. later on mentions, like, I made sure that nobody got too close. Yes. Uh, although he does have to zap a scientist who gets a little bit too close. <laughs> uh, so it, it kind of... Okay, so it, let's get this out of the way, because there's... I found it a little bit weird. I mean, I, I can understand why they did it like this, but it seems unlikely that the U.S. military didn't immediately. We seize everything, we pull yes, you away, we throw absolutely. the aliens into... A, Why aren't they in Gitmo? Yeah, exactly. Like, day one, like, how did this Because no, no way they would be this open and friendly and letting them come and go and leave and place, because, yeah, they would yeah. be like, okay, this is a national security thing. There is no bloody way that we're going to... Uh, allow anybody to look at this even our own I people i felt the same way because i think like battlestar galactica was just around the corner when this was when this was airing so mm-hmm. yeah you could totally imagine that then again ooh, ooh, maybe it's a pr thing because moya is definitely visible from earth very good point yes so everyone with a telescope like right the size uh, is is clearly yeah, no, visible the, 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 anybody would find it quite easy to get somewhat accurate photos of Moya. I mean, she's far bigger than the ISS, and you get half-decent pictures of that taken, yeah. from, with, taken with ground telescopes that people have in their backyard. So, And if the first contact was a shuttle mission, which it's not clear whether Jack was on board. I think probably not. Mm, how else would he have gotten up to the uh, Moya? Uh, Sikozu might have gotten to uh, come down oh. with a pod. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Because there's also, like, two FBI agents and a suit from uh, uh, yes. the White House. IASA, uh, oh, from the White House, yes. Yeah, Jack is from IASA, but you wouldn't imagine that any of those would be rated for space travel. No, fair point. Or that but, IASA yeah. would clear them for being pulverized, which is essentially what a shuttle launch is. Yeah. Recreational fair. scientific pulverizing. <laughs> the aliens are put up in a gilded cage in the form of a, a beachfront mansion. Which, the, with the entire block cordoned off and reporters trying to, like, harass their way in and just being held back by a few police officers. Yep. Uh, John's One, little brother is showing... Cousin great, Bobby, great, yeah. Oh, cousin, cousin is showing great interest in the assets of the girls. Bobby is totally fascinated by the ETs. Oh, she is in her, like, what is it, orange bikini? It looks I'd different. Call it, on his, I'd call it red. But, oh, it looks very different in different shots. See, because it, in his VHS recorder, it looks, oh, uh, or right. camcorder. Yeah. Looks a bit bluer. You know, I swear, I have seen a clip of Bobby filming Sikozu, and I don't know whether it's a deleted scene. I wasn't able to find it quickly in my in my research, or whether it was maybe a promo clip. Right. And it's him following Sikozu through this mansion while she holds this incredibly incisive monologue on capitalism. Oh, I, okay. I'm going to try and find it. If I can, it'll be here. Sikozu, what are you reading? Your planet's history. What do you think? Going back dozens of centuries, there is a pattern, and it is appalling replete with missed opportunities for meaningful knowledge assimilation and cultural advancement. Uh, we have a saying. Those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. Is that what you mean? If you are aware of a problem, why is it not corrected? Uh, I'm only 13. I haven't had my chance yet. From simple miscalculations to gross ineptitude, savagery and brutality without purpose and with minimal gain well people fight for land power honor and money isn't that the same where you're from where i come from bobby it is very rarely the strong who will attack the weak 
The aggressors are those who feel slighted, those who have gone without. Then how do you stop that? You simply redistribute resources so everyone's needs are accounted for. Communism. Ah, Marx. I have read your Marx. Your application was accompanied by oppression and isolation. No chance of success. I heard you guys weren't so perfect either. You fight wars. Big wars. Never against ourselves, Bobby. An enlightened planet is a unified planet. And I've read your history, and I have not found anything to indicate any hope of future change. Uncle John says your people are enslaved by some really bad dudes. Your point? Don't take it out on us. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Seeing the world as narrowly as you do through this little lens, young one, I will forgive you your lack of understanding. Allow me to be clearer. The political complications that may arise from a simple wormhole floating in your atmosphere will devastate a planet that is still in the throes of intraspecies chaos. And otherwise you'll just... <sighs> hear this sigh of disappointment. Yes. Oh, yeah, here's the scene where Granny Noranti is uh, <laughs> feeding more food to Rigel, who is absolutely loving it on Earth because he gets to eat and eat and eat. I wonder if Fiona Gentle sort of likes or hates these scenes where people interact with food with Rigel because she probably has to pick all the corn husks out of the puppet afterward. Oh, I'm sure that's the puppeteer's job. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. get to see the parking lot again. Yeah, this is Olympic Stadium Park yeah. again. Yeah, uh, at least in one of the shots, like they CGI'd a, a, a shuttle launch platform into the background. Yes, which is cool. More conversations with T. R. Holt. But T. R. Holt, I have he is not happy uh, about yeah. Uh, what are we doing? What are we giving? Uh, I found it hard to keep track because his accent was so distracting. Oh yeah, so basically <laughs> they're talking about. Sharing the technology with the rest uh, of yeah. us. That's where a lot of the discussion comes about. And at first, Jack is very much on the we're going to keep it for ourselves front. Quote, the Farscape project was and is an American initiative. I do not think it is unfair that America should reap the first benefits of it. Yeah, what big-hearted patriot said that? Former astronaut by the name of Jack Crichton. Did you know that we're making him IAS's project director for extraterrestrial studies? Father and son, dynamite PR. Jack is just so happy to be making a contribution. Don't screw it up for him. Which surprises John. John, yes, until Jack explains about 9-11 and that, yeah, things have changed. Space travel was your dream to unite mankind. When did that change? September the 11th. This isn't the same world you left four years ago, son. People don't dream like they used to. It's about survival now. Who's survival? And interesting thing is that, like, everybody keeps saying that other people are saying that someone has changed, but they never tell it, say it straight to each other's face. Yeah, good point. It's always like, yeah, uh, his sister says, oh, he's changed. And then Aaron says, like, yeah, he says his father's changed as well. It's like they're always like, it's always like whispering, uh, not Chinese whispers, but yeah, they're always like talking about other people saying that, they've, that people have changed. I mean, Aaron would be the one to sort of notice that because, I mean, she didn't know John before coming aboard. Like, she evolved right. together with yes, him. Yes, very much so. So to her, John is just John. 
And she hasn't known Jack, the no. actual Jack, before. It must be confusing since she yes. knew the, uh, the alien impersonating Jack. Very much so. We get to the end of the voiceover part. Turns out it's a run-up to Christmas. Christmas which makes sense, because like it was recently Thanksgiving, so we know exactly how much time has passed. Sorry, not Thanksgiving, Halloween. Sorry, it was recently Halloween in 1977. Oh, yeah. Or uh, 80, whatever right. it yeah, was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sorry, time travel. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we know exactly how much time passed, but no, we don't. Let's try. Well, wormholes do a bit of time dilation. It's no big deal. Yeah. Wormholes unstable. Some time dilation may have occurred. But yeah, despite the fact that it's uh, Florida and that the whole street is cordoned off, I mean, John makes the good observation Jack is trying to normalize the world. Yes. All right, time for light test. T-minus five. Dad's world is upside down. So he's trying to make it right side up by putting up Christmas decorations. Great. So Especially for him. We're doing our standard Christmas, like we're decorating the entire house, and we're doing gifts and everything. And who shows up? None other than John's old girlfriend. Yeah, who just helped herself to some mistletoe and uh, yes. snog. Welcome back to Terra Firma. And Erin observes she's got a she's got a really wonderful sort of sh- literally shit eating grin. I think that's the definition of shit eating grin as uh, she tries to get into the spirit of things because yeah, it's nostalgia town. Yeah. Which John is at first really into with his sister Olivia and his dad hanging up decorations. And, oh, see this one, you made this one. Yes. Mum loved it. And what's next? The bare-ass... Ba- ba- bare-ass baby pictures, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's take a vote, Aaron. Yeah, of, of course, I'm in. <laughs> no, we're not going to... You're not looking Why at my not? bare-ass. Yes, we are. No, Why not? I've seen it already. Yeah, true. <laughs> and it ends with, with Caroline on the bridge. Yes, the jetty. Oh, sorry, the jetty, yeah. Yeah. And she's John's cl- not super into it. No, she's clearly willing to pick up where she where they left off. But John is, uh, well, yeah, John has changed. And he's just pinging out on the sofa, offers some popcorn to his dad. They have that conversation about, like, to John, it's obvious Earth has to unify, has to learn about this together. And, uh, yeah, dad's like, no, no, we must keep it for ourselves. And they have this sort of very American Hollywood conflict about who is the most stubborn. As it's <laughs> yes. As if stubbornness itself is a quality that on one side people are critical of, but also know that it's a, that it's a virtue. I mean, I've never gotten It's that. only good if you're right. Oh, yeah, good point. Oh, that reminds me. In Star Trek Discovery, main character Michael Burnham and her mother are trying to convince Captain Pike in season two of doing mm-hmm. something. And, like, Captain interrupts Michael and asks her mother, was she always this bossy? And without missing a beat, she goes, on Vulcan, we call that determination. And, yes, she gets that from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's fine to be stubborn, but only if you end up being right about mm-hmm. it. You know, otherwise, you were just being stubborn. Meanwhile, we visit Moya. Yes, where the greenie, the green meanie is creeping around. Creature called Screeth. Yes. Uh, painted green to represent the Grinch. Fair enough. Yeah, that was exactly the decision that they made. Ah, fantastic creature design. Looks sort of like a, a mantis. A little bit, yeah. It's got the arm blade thingies going on and this weird protruding mouth. Oh, those translucent sort of blades. They're amazing. Yeah. Played by, I think, pronounced Amy Salas. She also played Tauza, the female Scarron who tortured young Scorpius oh, right. in, uh, yes. in season three's Meltdown. Who has been set aboard to 
get information by, uh, what's her name again? Gyoza. No, Gyoza. Uh, no, Gyoza, but yes, Gyoza. we're calling her Commandant Gyoza from now on. I love it. I must be hungry. <laughs> John has brought a miracle cure for rusty old 1812, which is, I guess... WD-40. Right? Yeah, like... Uh, he gets a little spray, he gets introduced to Bobby and his dad and gets sent out. They want to go exploring. Meet Pilot, which Meet we never pilot. get to see. Yes. 1812, this is Bobby, Bobby. This is 1812. 1812 is going to be your tour guide. Don't let him break anything. I won't break anything. But I wonder if Pilot has dressed up for the occasion. Oh, as in, as what? Like, either as something that he thinks... a damn big Christmas hat. Either as something that he thinks is weird. I love the idea of him in Christmas hat. Hold on, I'm giving up on my bullshit and I'm joining yours now. <laughs> yes. He would have loved to decorate himself. Probably, yes. Hang little jingle bells. John and Dargo have a little get-together. And at this point, I think I've written uh, down, is John going to take his toys and leave? And yes, he is. That's like almost immediately in the, in the next scene, we get this idea of, uh, of them yeah. going like, yeah, we're probably going to have to go. This is where it starts gelling that they're, they can't uh, can't keep give, give the exactly. stuff to Earth if they're. This is the way that the U.S. is going to treat it. Don't look at me like that. You know how paranoid my planet is. Yeah, they they don't like aliens. They don't like anybody. I'm glad to see you taking a positive approach. Cooperation, teamwork, distraction. We give them a few hints, and we get the hell out of Dodge and hope they get their act together before the real space monsters show up. Which is an interesting sort of structure, because this is a conversation with Darko that is split over, I think, three scenes. I think the last one takes mm-hmm. place at the IASA Christmas party. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's like their plan to leave. Yes. And obviously, John has to convince Darko of this to stay or, or leave, because yeah. Darko is the captain of, uh, of Moya. But John's specific strategy is to, like, give them some hints but not too much. Let them figure stuff out on their own and then get the hell out of there yeah. because his presence is painting a bullseye on the planet. Delay their uh, research, mm. keep them stringing. He likes the fact that they're bickering at this point actually about what to do because that allows them to buy time. Oh, yeah, good And point. later on we get his colleague scientists are starting to get wise to his BS and they're, uh, go- yeah. they're going like, oh, hang on, you're not helping. No, you're, you're actually smart. Yeah. You, this should fascinate you and has fascinated you. Yeah. So, And um, he's playing dumb, you know, I don't know, I didn't make it, I just bolted it on, you know. <laughs> yeah. Those are the Moya components, I suppose. Yeah, yes, the hedge drive. Right. Calls it FTL, that's theoretically impossible. Well, theory's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All this crap you've tacked on. Hedge drive, FTL. It can't work. It's theoretically impossible. Theory is wrong. Newton, Einstein, Hawking... We prove them wrong every time we pop out for groceries. Then tell us how it works. I didn't design a DK, I just installed it. That's for you to figure out. Sure, drop it in our laps. Let us scratch our heads and look stupid while you go on Nightline or have lunch with the president. We need some help. We're Neanderthals trying to understand 747s. These new laptops are really nice. The other thing that we get to see is the start of a conversation that happens with Erin, which is where she sort of suggests, well, maybe I shouldn't take my... Prowler back down. Like, what do you think I should do? Yeah, maybe I should stay here. Should I stay or should I go? Yes. And she wants it to be... She's asking him what he wants, and he says, it's your decision. Yes. Whatever, it's it's up to you. It's up to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's up to you. But he says it in a very sort of dispassionate fashion, and that's not what she wants. No. I mean, we get that conversation later on down on Earth again. Yeah, and, it gets, of course, it still doesn't get resolved, but we'll get to that. 
Um, I thought it was very good that she asked. Oh, yes. Right? I mean, she's, she's clearly, yeah, making her intent known at this point. Like, she's... It's got a little bit the other way around. It's like she is, like, now clearly signaling yes, and yeah. he is still not convinced. He's, like... Keeping the boat off, as we say in Dutch. Well, he hasn't forgiven her for leaving. Yeah. Essentially abandoning him, and I guess he doesn't want to risk being abandoned again. Yeah, that makes sense. We get a good shot of uh, the uh, the green critter. Yes, sneaking who, and, and hiding. Yes, who gets to communicate with Grazer. <laughs> By means of a little weird forehead-sticking thing that uh, Bracker gets uh, on his head. I love how it was lampshaded. Like, what is that, Mom? An explanation would be pointless. You'd retain no memory of it. <laughs> Here we go. Slap it on your forehead. Yeah. <laughs> I think in the dial, it, in the in the script, it was called a larnaps. Yeah. And it's either a component of Screet's body that they can separate, or some hmm. sort of symbiotic thing. But it allows sort of telepathic communication over vast distances. Yes. And David Franklin becomes a conduit for the mind of the otherwise speechless Screeth. Apparently, like, he hadn't decided on an accent or mm-hmm. whatever until the scene started and he opened his mouth. And uh, he was honestly quite surprised. Okay. Crichton is on board, Moya. According to reports, Moya now orbits Crichton's home planet. Yeah, it's like, yeah, fairly high-pitched voice. And so it's actually him doing the talking. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like a woman's voice process. That's what I, th- yeah, that's what I thought as well. But I yes. think it's really interesting how Grazer speaks to Screeth because she's like getting a mission report. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a great sort of sense of mutual trust and a good bit more, or I would say actually less manufactured conflict than she usually projects to other people that she speaks with. Right. Yeah. So what I mean, she's very she's very guarded. She's very verbally violent, like dismissing people, snapping them down. Yes. And she doesn't do that with Screeth. She takes whatever they it tells him. Her. Actually listens to their advice yeah. and, uh, like, I won't say negotiates, but argues a little bit about the merits of the uh, how to proceed. Allowing me to interrogate Crichton will yield quicker answers. Crichton has already proven himself to be immune to several forms of interrogation. Stay hidden until we know more. Understood? Understood. <laughs> I mean, she is the commander, so she sets the priorities. But, right. you know, when Screed says this, what the possibilities are, well, I'm forced to agree. Yeah. Uh, and to adjust the uh, the strategy accordingly. And then after she hangs up, uh, <laughs> yes. Bracca doesn't know what happened. Ooh. Falls down. She makes him think that they've been recreating. <laughs> and he did a very good, good job. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> now back to work. Ooh, ooh. Okay, okay. God, Bracca. This is not the first time that one of these tricks was pulled on Bracca, was it? Ooh, I can't remember. When else would he have done that? Oh, it just seems so familiar. But then uh, again, I have seen the series before. Fair point. Yes, this is a more conversation between John and Dargo about uh, the merits of leaving and the merits of staying. Should I stay or should I go? Uh, Aaron takes this, Jack yes. on a magic carpet ride. Yep, they go do a little loop around Saturn. Yeah, they talk about that they did the, 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 the divide and that they beat the Cassini probe Yes, by a while. Because that would have been underway at that point, but exactly. not yet arrived. So he was, uh, oh, I'm the furthest human away from it. Well, no. <laughs> no, John's, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, John's got a few more miles on me. <laughs> uh, and the, yeah, there's a little heart-to-heart between Jack and 
Aaron. If I didn't know better, I'd think you were human. I'm not. Do you wish you were? Why do you ask? You have feelings for John, don't you? Does that shock you? No. I suppose it might if I thought of you as an alien life form, but I don't. John has not said anything to me, but I believe he has feelings for you, too. He did. Now... I... Now he's home. That's one of the things he's going to have to sort out. Just give him time. Hmm. I really like that. Yes. Like, he's he's detected that she has feelings for him. Yeah. And her first question is, does that shock you? Because she's used to, like, reproductive xenophobia. Right, yes. Right? She was shocked at the idea that uh, uh, Dargo had a child with a sebation woman. Mm. Jack seems to be uh, encouraging her, I suppose. Yeah, there, there is still a bit of sort of quasi-bigotry right. there. Like, I might be shocked if I thought of you as an alien, but I don't. Right, and... But she is. She is, but... She just happens to be but, passing. But they also talk about her suspicions that humans and sebations might be, you know, related in oh, some sort of way. And yep. that's, like, he says that, yeah, well, the geneticists are still working on that. And I'm yeah. like, if many Sikosu could, like, find out that, that they're actual real humans, that the genetics check out, then she could, like, do some research against that as well, couldn't she? But you know. Maybe, I don't uh, know, sciencey-wincey. Sciencey, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the shot of Chana doing the uh, Christmas gift wrapping, which is, which is the package which, go, which goes to... Uh, yes. And Sikosu seemingly talking to a reporter or something on a phone and getting angry with them. Yes, rejecting their... Or maybe it's some scientist, because she's saying, no, I will not be probed, I will not be scanned, I will not have an X-ray. Ray. Yes. I don't, I don't care if the others have sub uh, yeah. agreed. Not me. Biologic examination? I said no. And I don't care how many of the others have consented. You can go stick your probes in one of them. I'm not interested. And... Rigel's just happy as a clam because he's got hamburgers and he suggests that she eats something. Burgers and coleslaw. Oh. And there's just piles of chips and Doritos and everywhere. always popcorn pop this time. <laughs> and Naranti found a, a sing-along Christmas card yep. where they all sort of try their English. Mm, yeah, kind of making it, kind of mangling the song. Hark the heward angle singer, glory to... The nude bloat king, the John Urban Mackey Millet, go dancing, cause Rick Millet. I like how Chiana is sort of sitting there, she's listening very intently, and she knows like a few of the words, and she tries to imitate those, like she's just, she's just going for it. Chiana's having a whale of a time, I think, although she does get a little bit bored towards the end. Yeah, because you know, people are kind of boring. Yeah. But that's, I think that's a really fun scene. Yeah, this is more more Jack and John. Holt is still fighting me on the tech sharing plan and the explorer selection process. I could use a little support. I've always supported you as much as I could, son. You're not looking at the bigger picture here. You don't see the big picture. You can't conceive of it. These scenes at IASA, I just think, are great. Like, yes, summarizing them is not <laughs> as much 
fun no. for us to do because the it's conflict not. is clear. Yeah. And they're they're there's they're developing to, it. There's not a lot to talk about. It's like Nobody's got weird hair. There's nothing like exploding. Nobody's detaching no. body parts. They're basically dragging out the emotional conflict. And that's what I said. That's why I got this like days of our lives feeling from this episode. There's a lot of... It's for, for Ben Browder, it's one of his favorite episodes of season four and mm-hmm. like the whole show because it's such a big swing. Like going to Earth. Okay, we do, we do Kansas then. Mm. Yes, it's Earth, but it's kind of wild. Okay, now we're at Earth and now we're just going to... Shows space shows go to Earth to die, right? Yes. It's a science fiction I mean, trope. Yeah, and Farscape has been to Earth four times now, right? Yeah, Earth uh, quotation right. marks and, this is and the first actual re- Earth. real Earth, and then to take this big swing to yes, we're this science fiction is now just dead. This is a sci-fi free episode almost. Well, aside from the spaceships and the guns and the aliens, and to me, it really works. Hmm. Because this is what it feels like for John as well. Oh, yeah. This is not the life that, that we've been used to for these last three years. I guess that's what, yeah, what I, when I say it doesn't feel like Farscape. It's exactly. because it's not anymore. This is, yeah, not Farscape, really. And that's such a bold, creative <laughs> choice. Very much so. I mean, very much more than the previous episode, which was on Earth, which, which did feel like Farscape, because that was a time travel episode. You know, we have to like yes. get the timeline ready, which is something that like is completely glossed over. Apparently, this is the right timeline because no no changing things back is mentioned anymore. Like we're just assuming yeah. that whatever needed fixing was fixed. And well, I mean, if it didn't, then Jack Crichton would have gone up with the Challenger. Gone up. Right, I suppose so, yeah. So the fact that Jack is there means that things got turned around well enough to be the way they should be. And that's what Einstein and Scorpius before him said, that yeah. like time, there is elasticity to time, and if you right. nudge those things back together. But hey, speaking of the last episode, what were your kind of expectations going into this, this episode? Because it, you know, it ended with the hangar shot with Jack and the suits. <laughs> Well, I kind of was still thinking that there would be more time uh, uh, wormhole stuff because I didn't catch the, oh. because at the beginning at the end of last episode we don't get to learn that they've been you know on board there for a few weeks already. We just get the shot with the human standing there waiting and waiting for them. Is it Bass or Trout? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I was still kind of expecting that we were having going to have more fixing the timeline stuff, and this episode went a completely different direction. Oh, interesting. Then let me ask, as the as the episode progressed, did you think that they would stay on Earth for longer? Oh. Or that Earth mm. would become part of the series? Or? No, I don't think so. Like I said, like, fairly un, I've got like written down, like, is John going to take his toys and leave? And then immediately the next scene, he has that conversation with Dargo. Right, that happened, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, yes, so he, yes, he totally is. Which means it's going to be about, like, how is this going to resolve? Is the... Uh, is the government going to try to make a grab for it, which they kind of do? The Joint Chiefs are up in arms. They want to classify the alien technology as a, a national security risk and impound it. But then they get kind of thwarted by Jack. John insists that we share these wonders with the rest of the world. But some people are afraid of what will happen if we do. John's afraid of what will happen if we don't. And I'll go with that. So, as IASA's project director for extraterrestrial studies, I hereby invite all nations to participate in the ongoing Farscape mission. 
Although I kind of expected at the moment that Jack made his presentation that the government guy was going to go like, okay, that's it, lock down the place, everybody's under yeah. arrest, and because uh, there's no way we're going to let this slip. Yeah, that conversation between <laughs> uh, between Jack and Holt, that, uh, you know, the government wants to seize this property. Oh, John would never allow that. How's he going to stop well, them? How's he going to stop them? Yeah. You, he handed them his gun. Yes, showed them how to use it. I mean, they're going to run out of check on oil at some point, but... Like, what's he going to do? Yeah. Anyone can fly one of those transport pods with a bit of practice, which I yeah. guess it's the practice part that... that uh, Lola might be slightly different because that's still key to uh, Dargo's uh, genetics. Yeah, and the peacekeepers never invented, like, passwords. No, I guess not, no. And she managed to, to, to nick Aaron's prowler a few times. Yep. But yes, we have the discussion between John and his scientist friends who are, like, accusing him of holding out. Yeah, still bickering as they're being escorted by security to their car. But security doesn't help because Screeth jumps out of the boot, Yep, kills the suit, judo chops him into the trunk. Sorry, boot slash trunk. Yeah. And then jumps the two scientists and starts basically extracting information from them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's horrible. I mean, all we can see is, like, Screeth pressing its clawed hands over their faces, but, like, there's there's blood on their faces. Yep. Uh, Laura and DK are screaming. And... Yes, well, later we learned that they're dead. Plainly, not all humans have Crichton's alleged ability to resist interrogation. <laughs> they're killed at the end of this, at, uh, at yeah. Razor's uh, request, because yeah. it's, Screeth is reporting back via the Larnaps. Yeah, they haven't learned anything, he hasn't given them the information yet, is what he reports. Crichton has given no wormhole information to Earth yet. No, that knowledge can die with Crichton. Not until I have that knowledge. I'm confident. I can capture him. Nor can I yet come to you. Wherever this earth is, the journey there is obviously impractical without wormhole travel. And only Crichton can command that. Then our best alternative is to seize him, learn what we can from him, then execute him. I'm forced to agree. Anything more you need from my captives? No. Did you get earlier on, she told the captain, like, get this ship ready to destroy a planet? Yes. Yikes. (laughs) She was prepared to go all in. The creature apparently has not been able to actually locate Earth yet. I mean, like, star plot it or anything. I mean, how? There's no star charts in the uncharted territories. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've been over this, haven't we? (laughs) To which degree can you extrapolate your position in a 3D construct like a galaxy from one position? Depends on how well how, how well you map of the stars you have. I mean, this like this is done in Battlestar Galactic as well. You know, when they have the the constellations, which are the signs of the uh, the various tribes, and then they start talking about how they can reconstruct them. And like, okay, so this is how they are seen from Earth. And like, oh, this kind of looks the same. And they go like, hang on, this one looks the same. But if we flip this one around. We know that this one's over here. We know that that one's over there. Now we can, like, now we have an idea where Earth is. But you don't know which stars or galaxies form those those constellations. That's what they say. This one looks kind of similar to what we know, and then you figure out which that that gives you an an idea. And this one looks exactly the exact opposite from what we know. So we know that this one is between us and them. And I guess it would be easier with galaxies. Right, because a lot of the stars that we see in the sky are actually galaxies. Galaxies, Yes, and they look the same from wherever you are. Yeah, and once you get that figured out, then you can. uh... But there's still going to be a little bit of parallax, depending on which end of the galaxy. Oh, of course. But that's what you use, and that's why you kind of have to like twist them around and figure it out. So I'm sure that could. It depends, of course, on 
how large the distances are. Mm-hmm. And in space, you can assume that those distances are large. Yes. I look at these pictures and I recognize the faces, some of the places, but it's not my life. I miss her. I miss that chick. <laughs> I miss him, but I can't make him. He's changed. What, he's changed so much that you can't talk to him? You know, he says exactly the same thing about you. He's changed so much and he's I have changed. And I can't tell him why. Why not? Because he is the director for extraterrestrial studies and what he hears, the government hears. There's a nice conversation between John and his sister Olivia. Mm. Where he's he's looking at the at the baby photos and she goes, Hey, do you want to live in the past for a bit? And he says, Well, I've had my fill of that recently, actually. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like reminiscing that nobody is who they were anymore. Essentially that's what it comes down to, this discussion. And he's not conveying why for him. He's not yeah. talking about what's been done to him, what well, he's he literally done. he literally tells her that he can't tell her. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I can't tell that and I can't even tell him the reason why I can't tell. And I think that's a really wise decision because it's, uh, it's never even brought up what he isn't telling. He isn't telling that there is gigantic galactic conflict. Yes. Uh, because that's not what Earth needs to hear right now. No. And that's why he's trying to like say, yeah, Earth must unify, otherwise not going to not going to work. But he doesn't want to worry them about yeah, I guess if he starts talking about a- alien supercarriers then they're immediately going to like Clamp down and uh, seize Moya see everything. as a weapons yeah. platform. Yeah. Even though they don't stand a blooming chance. And John sort of deflects a bit by sort of relating as a sibling with Olivia and like pushing his finger into into her forehead and doing an ET yes. voice. <laughs> like that's a game that they used to play. Oh. Don't worry. It'll be okay. <laughs> Okay. Trust me. <laughs> so I see we've been shopping again. Yes. More shopping. More shopping. Uh, they, should, oh, yes. they closed the entire mall. Erin has brought in some gifts for John that she's going to give right. him at some point. Which is completely not mentioned ever again in the episode. No, it's carried into the uh, I know, but we never see those gifts. Nope. Uh, or they, might, they might be brought on, on board at the end. But Yes, exactly. Oh, and, then, right, and then she yes. tells Shiana, no... Uh, don't give them to John. Let put them in. Uh, right. Shiana had a whale of a time at the mall. She's also bought a lot, loads of stuff. <laughs> bought quote marks. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure that the government paid for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that must be so disappointing for 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 Chiana. Okay, so someone's paying for it. So he didn't steal it. Oh, it's not fun now. It's like <laughs> maybe they didn't tell her they were paying for it. Now comes my favorite scene in this whole episode, oh, yeah. which is Aaron and Caroline, mm. the ex-girlfriend, talking. Because the way that they talk with each other is really, really open. And I love that this sort of quiet Cold War conflict between two women over the affection of one man is completely sidestepped by the most open, most mature conversation that anyone has in this episode. Yeah, they're both quite clear in their intents and interests. And they're very respectful of each other. And if there is any jealousy, they surely don't show it. Yeah, and they and they sort of internalize because this whole thing, like she 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 comes up as Bobby is asking her. How long have you known John Crichton? I met him six years ago. And how long have you been his girlfriend? Uh, and Eric goes. <laughs> she goes no. no 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 cut cut cut. <laughs> Don't stop. I'm interested in the answer. Want to tell me why you want to know? That's fair. 
And they both say that they were in a relationship. John and I were in a relationship. What kind of relationship? It was complicated. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Actually, no, I can't imagine. John and I had a much simpler one. No strings, no grand plans. Just good casual times. Well, at least that's how it was before. And it's Caroline who takes the lead mm. in clarifying for, for, for Aaron that... I think he's been testing himself. Working out what he really wants. It's not me. That John has been testing himself to see what he what he wants. Yes. I'm sorry. No, you're not. You still want him, don't you? Yes. But it doesn't matter. He doesn't want me either. I think he does. When I asked him about you, he said there was nothing going on. He said that several times. And Aaron goes, well, that's bad, isn't it? Oh, honey. <laughs> you don't you, understand humans at you don't all, understand. do you? <laughs> when, we, when we say something, very often, sometimes it's to convince, convince ourselves. ourselves. Yes. Because, like, I mean, the sh- in the opening credits, you also see a, sh- a shot of uh, John with his little uh, memory gas, uh, whatever it is that he's inhaling, uh, that he got from Naranti. The lacquer, uh, yeah, which we yes. haven't seen him using here. We haven't seen him using it recently at all, the last couple episodes, I think. Uh, that's true. It's occasionally come up, but he hasn't been huffing it really hard. Like he used to. And now but it does come a, up later. We uh, get a, a, a completely useless, a, amounting to nothing, scene with Scorpius right. and uh, so uh, Sikozu. At Sikozu the has come back with a transport pod because Scorpius has been like guarding the other end of the wormhole, transmitting a signal which should help them get back. Yeah, which apparently they, it was quite a bumpy ride to get there. Right, so but how, how, what do you think? Did Sikozu... Did John send Sikosu? Did Sikosu just decide to take the transport pod uh, and go check with Scorpy, maybe get a little bit of Nookie going? I don't know. It's got to be the latter, right? Right. Because Scorpius has, very interestingly, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sitting here guarding the ship. I've kind of, like, been rigging it so it can blow up. So in case that things go wrong, I'll blow it up in the wormhole mouth. And that seems like, you know, unlike Scorpius. As a last resort, I will detonate this pod within the mouth of the wormhole. That should destabilize it. But how will you survive? I wouldn't survive it. You would have a better chance of destabilization with two pods. But Sikozu is into it. and then She's she, like, she immediately goes like, oh, suicide pact? Sexy well, two, suicide pact? Two ships will blow up a wormhole, even better than one ship, which is like <laughs> so weird. Like, why would she do or want that? I have no idea whether this is some kind of nihilistic BDSM fantasy that they're doing together. I, I guess so. I mean, you could, Which, more power to them. If you have like a ship... Two ships, and you could, like, send one into the wormhole and blow it up and then leave together on the other one. And that seems to make more sense. Although, again, the conditions under which you would blow up the wormhole would be that there's probably a command carrier there and you're not going to really escape at that point, are you? Mm, yeah, it'd be no. tricky. But, yeah, this whole this whole scene is so flirty and, and just a way for them to eye-frell each other. Right, especially Sokozu. Uh-huh. Mm. She's, she's absolutely moon-eyed. Yeah. Uh, here we get... The worst Christmas office party ever. Ever, yeah. Chana's not impressed. Miserable. Crichton, this isn't a very fun party. It's not supposed to be a party. It's a photo op for VIPs. Smile. 
Well, can't we find a real party somewhere? But Jack does seem to have come around to John's point of view because he starts holding his speech and he basically completely agrees with John. Yeah. Like this should be shared across the earth, not to, not hoarded by the US. Signifying like a development in the relationship between, between father and right. son that I absolutely adore. The suit does not like this. Is that what you're reading on his face? It's kind of placid and tough to read. Without I would say hair. he's like I say he does not like he does not agree with this. But apparently the U.S. government is entirely powerless in the face of alien technology that one person has administrative ownership of. Right. Yeah. And it would never occur to them to just relieve someone of, of that ownership. Uh, yes. That IP. What made you change your mind? Because I believe in you. It means a lot. There's a few things we should talk about, son. It's Christmas Eve. Right. It'll keep. Clappy, 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 and suddenly everyone... I mean, we're... Chiana has to kind of be pulled away from the senator. (laughs) She is about to uh, do a little bit of office party recreation. Recreating. (laughs) Boring. I mean, these these scenes are huge. There's there's huge crowds of... Well, huge... It's like I mean, maybe Farscape television budget. I was going to say it's maybe twenty or thirty people, but yeah. there were twenty or thirty people in the in the in the reporter scenes as well. Right, yeah. and, and we close with them heading home, John and Jack, and like Screeth, Marty McFlying along on the back of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the back of the trunk. Yep. <laughs> is the trunk or is it the boot? Let's find out. It depends out. on who you ask. Aaron drops by at uh, Crichton's house. Yeah, returning the clothes that uh, Olivia gave them. Yes lent her and she's like oh are you leaving and she goes like yeah probably should she's being very honest uh-huh. that she's also like she's back in her own clothes like I'm just more comfortable in these yes and this is a family thing and I don't want to I- interpose on that well you've got to be here tomorrow well I may not be yes oh why not oh it might be needed on uh, on Moya yeah. yeah, that's not true she's no. come to, to to give John an ultimatum you have to say it yeah you don't have to justify it. I like that. Yeah. You don't have to explain why, but you have to say what you want. We've already talked about this. It's entirely up to you. Fine, I'll go with what you prefer. Look, I'm not trying to pressure you, John. I'm actually trying to take the pressure off. Would you be happier if I wasn't here on Earth? You don't have to justify it or explain it. Just give me an honest yes or no. Right, which John tries. But we'll get to that scene. It's coming up quite quick because uh, uh, Dargo's dragging Gianna away and his very sensitive nose detects... Finds the two dead bodies. I mean, it should be three, I guess, but... Three? uh, The security guard. Oh, he's still in the trunk, isn't he? Oh, yeah. You'd thought that, like, they'd they'd go missing. They noticed, like... I mean, this, yes. is like, this is like a day ago at this point that they got killed. You'd have figured out if a security guard... Like, I mean, the two scientists can disappear for a day, but a security guard can't disappear for a day. No, exactly. Because they get relieved every six to eight hours. And yeah, then, and the party has just started, right. and he's not checked in yet, yeah, so that which would is be... a huge security <laughs> gap. Yeah, absolutely. Back at the house, we get... Yes, this is what you said, like, Aaron uh, confronts John. Jack really wants her to stay, offers her right. a place. We can always well, make it stretch. Well, so Jack does this. The way I read this scene is like Aaron is making her demands of John, let's call it that, mm-hmm. or her ultimatum, if you want to call it that. And John is just about to like decide when Jack comes walking in, pipes up, and, oh, why don't you stay? Yeah. <laughs> kind of okay, like we were- taking the stinger out of the situation, but also yep. thwarting it. 
And John goes, well, uh, why don't you give me some eggnog? And he's about to, like... So John leaves, and then they are about to... John is about to do it, about to commit, about yeah. to even kiss Aaron. And, of course, the alien He gets plot-blocked by yes. Squeeze. <laughs> plot-blocked, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> who, who attacks Olivia very violently, and then Jack... I love how Jack said that, okay, to the, the suit who was shadowing him. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you follow me into the living room, you're at least going to stay for a cup of eggnog. Right, yes. <laughs> uh, he gets a few shots off. Those gunshots sound really flat and pathetic. Right. Sounded like bangers. Yeah, well, you know, that's Foley on the Foley department, I guess. I guess also to make the, the pulse pistols sound more impressive when they get fired. Yeah. They don't do a lot. They kind of blast Scoot off the uh, alien until... Uh, yes, Marky armor. Until Aaron gets out her pulse pistol. Gets a few which shots Which also doesn't off. do a lot. No, but it does... because she misses him. Set the, uh, set the house into disarray. Yes. Lights are, lights are flashing. Oh, the, the production designers had originally hoped that they'd be able to find a house that was scheduled for demolition, that they'd be allowed to completely <laughs> blow up. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen, but they did get to like blow the hell out of this set. Because, yeah, now it's John and Aaron. They have one pulse pistol between them. All the lights are flashing. That yes. The, uh, the house is dark. Aaron engages the creature and tells John to go get Winona. Yeah, because the, the Screeth bites her pulse pistol in half. Mm. So it don't work no more. John goes upstairs. The stairs are interrupted because Screeth comes through the fucking wall. Yes. <laughs> ah. Plasterboard walls, man. What you gonna do? Grace is getting an ongoing mission report that makes no sense. Lots of screeching and lots of yelling. John finally gets his uh, Winona and does a little bit of stalking around, but the creature has like gone invisible again. Both of them fall over the balustrade and onto the floor below. And finally, Aaron tells John to get out of the way because she shoots the chandelier, which falls down on top of the alien and... Presumably electrocutes him. It's a good thing that when you shoot a chandelier off the ceiling that I the know. electrical wire is long enough to reach the ground. But, you know, it might, might, might be some Australian building code thing. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Do you think it's a safety feature or an oversight? Well, I think it's, again, plot... Uh, <laughs> whatever the plot requires. Fuck on this! What is that? Oh, forget about it. Yes. Lola comes sort of flying right, through the... Lola to the rescue, yes. ...over the backyard swimming pool so that when Squeeth steps up again, Lola's there, Dargo's there to blast it into atoms. With the... Uh, literally, it turns into a little blue nebula and boom, gone. I'm glad he's learned to sort of dial down the uh, the energy. Mm, yes. And that it can... I mean, he's firing it through an open screen door in the garden. Mm. That's good aim. Yes. This causes Braca to collapse... He's uh, got literal cum on his forehead now. I think that's the, the gooey paste that's uh-huh. uh, from the uh, from the, the telepathic apps. device. But he comes to and with a little help of uh, Grace's boob sweat, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, you did! You, you were so good, darling." I'm glad I was <laughs> oh, uh, able to satisfy yes, you. Yeah, still not remembering <laughs> even the slightest what happened. <laughs> I wonder where they are. Like, they're, they're lying oh. on a grate. There's this circular space around them. There's these... I never know what, what peacekeeper rooms are, like, for. No. I mean, even command doesn't look very commandy. For all I know, it could be on the Death Star. You know, with that uh, big white, <laughs> white circular thing in the bridge. Uh, 
Uh, and everybody's back on Moya. Yes, they're bringing a huge cart which is laden with food and boxes. And <laughs> Rydal says, food goes to my room. Yep. Dibs. <laughs> Aaron confronts Naranti. Yes. So, hey, what's this? Thing? Because, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. During the Screeth fight. Oh, yes. John squirted the, the, the lacquer, lacquer into the Screeth face. Screech, and that was enough to give, get him to, uh, I guess, forget about him for a minute. <sighs> and Aaron <laughs> immediately goes, what's that? Yes. Like, hey, priorities. Yes. Uh, confronts Naranti with him, goes like, hey, you gave this to John. What is it? Uh, and It's to help him move on, surmount his feelings and forget. Who? When she finally acknowledges Aaron, she's just moved completely past her. Yeah. And Aaron goes, forget who? And then she, Naranti opens her third eye and it glows blue. Yes. Which, uh, I think that's when she's being enigmatic, which is a lot of the time, honestly. Yes, it is. But she forks it out. She goes like, oh, is that how it is? So and we're back like two steps forward once, three steps back with uh, John and Aaron's relationship. Whenever things go right in one direction, they go wrong in the other one. Hey, it's a seesaw, isn't it? It these, is days of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a sense of closure that soap operas tend to either avoid or, or sort of mitigate, mm-hmm. which is like John talking with his, his sister. And she gives him... His mother's wedding ring. I was going to give you this on Christmas. This is Mom's. She left this to you. I want you to have it. Mom would love that. That she inherited from her mother. Yes, but she now wants John to have. Because she knows he's, uh, he's leaving again. Yes. And I guess she wants him to have something to remember their family. Of the family by, yes. This is immediately followed, or actually continued, with Jack as well, who is talking to John. It's like, you're leaving. I'm afraid I'm not going to see you again. He says he doesn't want to lose him. Like, these are such a rare thing, especially in sci-fi. Yes. Uh, Two men, like, expressing their their emotions. In this case, grief. They're they're both, like, fighting back tears and, and losing. Right. Look, we'll guard the wormhole. We'll... We'll set up a defense shield. Nothing will get through. No, I have a job to do. It's your words again. I don't want to lose you, son. I can't shake this feeling that you're not coming back. I'll be back. That's a promise. You take care of my home. I remember you saying that, like, in the very first episode as well. Like, wow, a healthy father-son relationship yeah. in a TV show. And we're like, well, of course they can have a healthy relationship because they're not never going to see each other again. <laughs> so it's fine that they have a good relationship because, like, we're not reliant on a bad relationship to keep the plot interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... They continue that here. It's a, it's a beautiful bookend because it, it started off with be your own kind of hero mm. and then finishes with Jack, like honoring that, that John is his own kind of hero and that Jack supports him. Yep. And that they love each other. Like, there's a there's a hug. He kisses his father. Yes. An expression of love that we don't see enough of. And 
And then he walks away, puts his sunglasses over his red-lined eyes. Yes, it looks very Terminator-ish in that shot, but... Yep, he's trying very, very hard not to look back. I mean, I guess it's not a downer ending for an episode, but... It is, like, emotionally tumultuous. Yeah, very much so. And you sort of feel the resolve and reflected in the in the music as he as he walks away. <sighs> yeah. Oh. So hang on, I've got a few things. Oh, 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 oh. not done yet. So one of the, uh, I've got a few notes here which need to. Uh, one of them is like my last note is now now it's become far- Farscape again. Like at the last at the end of the episode, I'm like, okay, yeah, this did not feel at all like a Farscape episode. Right. But right towards the end, yes, okay, now it's starting to go, to become uh, Farscape once more. Once I guess it kind of starts when they're carting the food onto the ship. And- not when the squeeze shows up. And ruins the Christmas party. And yeah, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe that already. Maybe, maybe it took a little, a little while bit. for me to uh, settle into that uh, feeling. Because <laughs> it's such a break of, right. of tone. It, absolutely, yes. But the other one is like, is Grazer running a clandestine operation or not? Because mm. she's not told anybody about this thing. She's like, I mean, she could have just like, oh, good point. Grab any ensign and stick that thing on their head and use them as a conduit. Yeah. But no, she specifically uses Bracca and doesn't tell him. About it. So is this? Yeah, I mean, so, I guess she's she's got a lot of power. That we know that, but she's also we yeah. also know that she is beholden to even greater powers. Whom she's trying to manipulate or convince? Because right. like the the power struggle between her and Scorpius, I don't know if she had her own command carrier at that mm-hmm. uh, at that time. Oh no, she has his command carrier now. Right. Um, oh, that was destroyed. Oh no, you're right. So she got her own. Yeah. Hmm. Was because. They had sort of rivaling policies for, mm-hmm. or proposals for how to deal with the scouring problem. Right. Hers was diplomacy, yeah. which requires not developing wormholes. Right. So they're yes. hugely antagonistic. So in her case, like she's there to ensure that wormhole weaponry doesn't enter the picture and destabilize her efforts to reach some kind of uh, detente. Okay. Right. So, the, but you're right that this may be a clandestine operation, like. It's not really specified, and Rebecca Riggs, the actress, like she uh, she said in the Visual Companion book, that mm-hmm. she, she sort of imagined that Screeth was someone that she got on with, that they had a professional relationship, like right. separate from or before the peacekeepers, and that therefore Screeth was someone that she trusted with this, this mission, which is like a suicide mission, essentially. Yes, um, although they didn't know that at the time, but yeah. But now I mean, that the idea was to, that, to capture John and bring him back, ideally, or kill him. Like, it doesn't even come up. Like, hey, if we if we kill the only person with wormhole technology, you're stuck on Earth forever. Yeah. That is an acceptable outcome. Apparently so, yeah. So, Screeth has a either great loyalty or is somehow otherwise, you know... It's maybe sort they're... of like um, M and 007. Oh, I suppose, yes. Kind of in a, in a, in a weird sort yes, of... Yes, I see uh, what you mean. ...praying mantis kind of way. <laughs> James Bond looks a little... More handsome than Screeth, but uh, yes, li- definitely licensed to kill, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could imagine Grazer being played by Judy Dench, though, can't you? Oh, totally. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Yep. She gives me a Woody. She gives you a Willie. Yeah, speaking of Judy Dench. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. Willie's. I'm very uh, torn. I, I didn't write down anything. It's tricky, right? So, because it's. I mean, Farscape has as Willies and, and Woodies, but this really wasn't Farscape. I mean, no. If anything, I would say the Willie goes to the days of our lives vibe that I got from the uh, from the episode. Yeah. But even that's just like tenacious that I have to name something. That's my Woody. Honestly, I loved uh, it. I love it. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah, you know, fair, I love yeah. big swings. 
uh, uh, I'd love like seeing Chiana in a bikini just enjoying the sun. Yes, which uh, even though she can't get a tan. No, it just, just does nothing for her because her skin is entirely resistant to, to radiation, have yep. we discovered. My willy actually goes to Sikosu and Scorpius, which is weird. Okay. Because no. I do kind of love that scene, but yeah. it has no place here, adds nothing, doesn't come up. No. It's just Scorpius being weird and Sikosu being even weirder. Because even though like this could establish that, oh, Scorpius is willing to die, yes. we have no reason to believe him when he's talking to Scorpius. Or, uh, Scorpius. Scorpius, yes, yeah. absolutely. So we learn nothing from that, other than that they're still eye-frelling and, and choke-frelling each other. Yes. So for Woody, I, I'm going to... I mean, there's... To consider Naranti and Rigel and the food, uh, those scenes are always fantastic. Uh, I really love Chiana's attempts at gift wrapping because she's clearly getting into the whole spirit of the presents, which need to be wrapped up prettily. And like, she, I think it's so nice that she like take this to Pilot yeah. for me. Like, here's a, I, I found a present for Pilot, but my but she discovered this thing called oh wrapping paper. Oh, that's such a cool idea. You just have pretty stuff to put on things. Yes, exactly. And that and makes you the presents, and you can't immediately see what what what's inside. So Ooh, it's so just cool. a surprise. Yes, but my Woody will have to go to Claudia Balak's performance in this. Uh, Oh my god, yes. Episode. That was fantastic. Like yeah. both both the scenes with John's girlfriend and the scene yeah. with uh, the scenes with John, it was just like no, absolutely. That's that, that's definitely gets my woody. Yeah, yeah, cuz like John had a significant challenge or Ben Browder had a significant challenge here like playing someone who is very closed. Yeah. You don't really get to know why. But her challenge was to like someone who is normally very closed and open up. Yeah. So that was Oh, that's uh, a very good woody. That's definitely it for me. That's the story, story so, so far, Farscape. Farscape. Yes, yes. Please join us next week for another uh, Tales of the Terrible Territories and <laughs> the week after that for episode 414, Twice Shy. In which... Oh, in which, Did right. I yes, in which Shana convinces the others to allow an imprisoned woman to stay on Moya. They quickly discover, however, that she's far more trouble than she's worth. Wow, that's never happened before. Yeah, uh, imagine that. Also, but, I have no fucking But with their best qualities gone, can they do anything about it? Oh, whoa. Oh, okay, so yes, we're getting a cold start back on Moya then, probably back in the... Uh, <laughs> hey, do you want to make any... No, I was going to say, do you want to make any predictions, but I should have done that before we read this, yes, this particular one. probably. That would have been the shortest sort of reveal, but it's going to be on Earth. And uh, back on Moya, no, okay, fine. <laughs> Thank you for listening to So Farscape. We always delight in having you join us on our trip through various wormholes and territories. You can find us at So Farscape on Facebook and Twitter, soulfarscape.com. You can find all the links to our Patreon to submit synopses, by the way. You've only got a few episodes left to go, or even a fanfic if you want to suggest those on sofarscape.com slash links. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, far escape, so, so good. good.